0: Thank you guys and praise God for a tremendous spirit of fellowship today in the building. Lots of folks in our life groups and uh, just lots of energy and fun happening there. You guys have been teasing me so much about football Uh, yesterday. I hear Georgia did well and I hear Tennessee did not do well uh, against Missouri, um, I think is what you told me. I don't keep up with this, but I do kind of root for Tennessee And I am in prayer for the Bulldogs for next week. Um, (laughs) It must be hard going up against a team. You know God is on their side. And so um, (laughs) I'm just teasing. I don't have big hopes for next week, but boy, I'll be ready just in case. Uh, So I'll have something orange here Sunday if if by a miracle uh, they win. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for... Uh, just your spirit of togetherness and for loving each other, for loving the Lord. It makes such a difference on Sunday morning to come into a warm fellowship of believers who's here for the right reasons. Even though we're different, we're so different from one another, uh, we're united uh, under the blood of, of, of Christ, and man, it shows. I just love being among you and praise God for that. And so uh, thank you, Poplar Springs. We've been in Revelation chapter 2 now. And so if you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of the Revelation, this is the last book, if you will, uh, in your Bible. At the very end, Revelation is a a vision given to the Apostle John, the the writer of the Gospel of John. The writer of 1st and 2nd and 3rd John uh, also wrote the book of the Revelation, uh, which was a vision that he received while he was uh, exiled. That means basically sent to a a prison place where he couldn't escape to the Isle of Patmos, a rocky, uh, uh, ugly island where people were sent uh, who were undesirable or who had offended in some way. And basically they busted up the rocks uh, for use in the Roman Empire for, for whatever they needed it for. And John is there because of the Word of God, because of his faithfulness to testify, to live out, to follow his calling from God, uh, he is punished and sent away. And the churches at the time, people like you and me, followers of Christ, were suffering greatly, what the Bible calls here a tribulation. They were suffering tribulation and terror Uh, just because they named the name of Jesus. It was unwelcome, it was unwanted, it was punished, they were thrown out of their trade guilds, that's their jobs, they were uh, estranged from their families, Uh, they had to live in poverty many times, they were sent to prison, they were killed in the most gruesome ways, Uh, and that's the conditions under which the church is suffering now. And so the vision of Revelation is a vision of future things, to encourage and to strengthen, to uplift those suffering Christians at the time and now to say there is an end coming to all of this and victory will be had by the risen Lord Jesus and by all who follow him, both dead and living. It's an encouragement. It's, 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 it's um, uh, something positive here. And it begins with uh, a vision to John uh, to write this down to the seven churches in Asia. Seven is a number of perfection or fullness in the Bible and so this is to those specific churches uh, but it's also for us for all the church for the fullness of the church uh, for all time. This is going to be a practical sermon today and it's filled with a lot of information and so try to hang with me uh, if you will. I hope this is a helpful sermon instructional and gives us some real tools to know how to do what God is uh, telling us to do here. If you've ever driven to Florida before, you pass through these towns, little towns, um, Eufaula, right, was one of them, a little town with the pretty houses, but if you drive through the downtowns of, of these uh, old communities. You'll see beautiful historic brick buildings. Uh, I mean, just wonderful to look at, but empty, dark, and dead inside. You you wish. You think, man, what was the golden age of this like? What would it have been like with people walking up and down the streets here, that community being had, and Floyd's barber shop, right? I mean, you can just imagine all of this happening. But now you drive by, you want to look in the windows. You might see an old, dusty barber's chair. You might see an an old clothing shop with the racks still in there and some, some hangers just dangling on them, but there's no life. There's just deadness. The church at Ephesus was in danger of this. In fact, the Lord says, if you don't start getting it right, if you don't return to your first love, I'm going to remove your lampstand. That means your church won't exist anymore. The light of the gospel, the warmth we've described here today, Jesus says, listen, uh, you've got to remember where you came from. You have to remember your first love, that's me, or else your church is going to go out. There's going to be a deadness there. And this is a a word from God to prevent that before it's too late. And so let's read together in verse 1 of chapter 2, and we'll read down to verse 7. Uh, this letter to the church at Ephesus, a real church. To the angel, that's the angel or the messenger, I have a, a, my own belief of that is that that is probably um, the, the word messenger is intended there, it means pastor, elder, overseer. To the one at the church of Ephesus, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven Golden lampstands. This is the Lord Jesus. We saw that last week. He's pictured as the one who walks among the seven churches, visualized as lampstands, who holds in his hands the seven angels, seven stars, or the seven messengers, pastors uh, to the seven churches. Jesus is near to his church, uh, and this is how he's introduced the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands I know your works your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. It starts off pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, if you're the church at Ephesus, by the time you read these first few lines, you're thinking, all right, you know, (laughs) yeah, that's us, God. You know, we've we've got this. It's a pretty strong commendation. You've not grown weary. Verse four, but I have this against you. Now, that that ought to take our breath away for a moment. To, To think about the one, the singular Savior, the exalted and risen Christ in all power, in all insight, in all authority, in all closeness to the church. To look at a body of believers and for Jesus to say, I've got this against you. We ought to melt, in a, I mean, we ought to be fearful when we hear these words. And he says this to the church at Ephesus, but I have this against you. That you have abandoned and the word abandoned here is literally you you've ungrasped you've let go of you have abandoned the love you had at first your Bible may say you have abandoned your first love you've abandoned the love you had at first remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first if not I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You won't be a church anymore. Ephesus will go dark. People will walk by your old building or they'll remember your name and how you gathered there once as a church. It'll become a byword. They'll drive by you on the way to Florida and look and think, oh, how sad. How far gone things have become. I will remove your lampstand from its place Unless you repent, yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans, people really don't know who they were. Uh, We could talk about it, possibilities, but basically uh, there was a falsehood and an evil there. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Who is supposed to hear this? Just those at Ephesus. Ephesus. Just those of the ancient world know, anybody who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, says to the churches. To the one who conquers or overcomes, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This is a loving word from the Lord Jesus. It may not sound altogether loving, but it is a loving word and it is meant to preserve them for continued usefulness, power, and blessing in the kingdom of God. And it comes to us in three stages. The first stage is this. First of all, we see the blessing, the blessing. The Lord has a lot of good things to say about the Ephesian church. He he, he starts off just in, in strong fashion. Here's a few things that are true about them. They have the right works. That means their outcomes are the right outcomes. If they're seeking holiness, that's a good outcome for them. Uh, What they're producing, what they're generating are the right things. The works are good. They're working hard, hard labor and toil. Toil is uh, is the labor behind the works. My son Jackson the other day decided to replace the taillights on his truck. They worked fine. But they were hazy and you know how they get ugly and uh he said i'm gonna get some on amazon and put them in here and and kind of brighten up the truck a little bit i don't know how much they were but he bought them put them in they look really good that's the works that's the outcome the toil is that he works at smokehouse barbecue right that's how he got the money to pay for the taillights and when he asked to do a dirty job, they have a special job that they pay extra for cleaning out like the pit, right, where the barbecue is smoked. All the drippings from the barbecue melt down into a big tub container and they congeal into something that looks like peanut butter. It's called the peanut butter job and they've got to go out there and scoop out all that peanut butter with their hands. And it comes up smelling like cold fat, you know what I mean? Just a nasty gag reflex smell. That's the toil, right? The, if the works are the tail lights, the toil is the peanut butter barrel, right? Uh, you've, you, and, and so what's being commended here, church, your works are good. What you're producing are the right things. But also the Lord Jesus says, get, get the love in this. Get the, the blessing in this. I see your works and I see your toil. I know that you're striving for holiness young man, young lady, and I know the toil of saying no to that party. I know the the toil of turning down that beverage. I know the toil of not participating in that language. I see the works of your holiness but I see the toil, the labor of every day to do what's right, to invest and to let it cost you for my kingdom. Turn down these things. I know the the purity of your relationships. I see the tears that you shed in rejection for my name's sake. I see the betrayal and the loss that you've suffered. I, the Lord Jesus, know your toil. You've got the right works. You've got the, the toil going on. You've got lasting perseverance. The word is bearing up. Uh, it's used twice here. Uh, there's a burden on your back. And when you could crumble and give in and be more comfortable, you bear up under the weight of that, a perseverance, an endurance. I see your personal passion for purity. You cannot bear evil. I like how that's put. You, not, not that you won't bear evil. You just can't tolerate evil. You love the things I love. You hate the things that I hate. We've been taking something called collagen at our house. Good for your joints and your bones and all that. Anybody take collagen in here? All right, a few of us elites. Uh, It it comes in a powder and you mix it in your drink or whatever. And when I first took Eric and said, this is good for you, you you know, it's good for your bones. And I put it in my drink and it tastes disgusting. And I looked up, it said bovine collagen, I thought what is that bovine collagen? It's like ground up cow bones, right? That's a bovine by the way. It's a bovine collagen and it tastes every bit cowish that you might think. I mean it makes you just want to throw up. Uh, the Lord says church at Ephesus you cannot bear. I mean it, it repulses you the, the evil things you see around you. There's an internal Reflex against these things it is personal to you it comes from within you there's a true motivation lastly why are they doing all this for his name's sake so many good things happening there these things matter to God and God can see that they matter to the Ephesian church this is an encouragement and a caution for us here God sees our works not just collectively He sees your works. He sees my works. He sees your toil and your heart. And if if you can be commended like this today, then praise God, he sees your works. But if you find yourself somehow beneath what God hopes and wants for you, then take caution today. God, the Lord Jesus, sees your works. He knows these things. How are we doing today today? by these standards set forth? How are we doing collectively as Poplar Springs, as your life group, as your family? How are we doing individually under the headship of Christ? Do we do the right works? Is your life producing the things that matter to God? Are you laboring and toiling for the kingdom or are you comfortable and complacent? It's all good, you know. It's going easy or are you serious about your walk with God? Are you persevering and bearing up for the sake of his name? Are you doing things that are uncomfortable and unnatural for you in order to advance the kingdom of God? Do you have a personal passion for the things that matter to God? Or is it an external thing? I guess I shouldn't. I probably ought not, you know. I hope I don't get caught. Or does it rise up from within who you are? And do you do this for the sake of the name of the Lord? Jesus. Let us be a people on whom He could pronounce the same blessing. But secondly, the second stage of this message is the warning. The blessing sounds robust, but then comes something surprising. They were doing all of this right, but one single issue threatened it all. One thing was threatening for the Lord Jesus to remove the lampstand. They had let go of their first love. What does this mean? Here's what I think it means based on what I know about the Ephesian church. I think they started off strong and I think that they got so preoccupied with keeping out evil. Evil was all around them. I think they got so preoccupied with preserving the purity of the church with wanting to get it just right. The apostle Paul had warned them strictly, to beware of ravenous wolves that would come from without and those who would rise up from within. And I think they got so preoccupied with the blessing, with getting all of these things right, that there became a coldness with regard to their hearts for the Lord Jesus. They abandoned the love they had at first. When I was uh, in law enforcement, I remember senior officers in particular a few who were just uh had been there a long time they were old and grizzled kind of faces gnarled up hateful if you were young or new they didn't want to look at you or talk to you or hear from you you walked down the hall they i mean they wouldn't even acknowledge your presence they were haggard looking i can see one of them standing up on the sidewalk at the sheriff's annex right now I was out in the parking lot, and he, he hated me. But uh, anyway, um, I can see him stand up there. Stand up. He was a lieutenant, and um, <clears throat> he just his pants just drooping down, gun belt sagging to one side, cigarette ashes all over his, his shirt. Just a haggard, grizzled old dude, a voice like like sandpaper, you know. Uh, just this kind of a of a guy. There he was standing there. But I knew he had all the experience, all the knowledge, he had all the the wisdom of the ages of that profession, uh, all all, all the history there. But on a call, they would show up late so they didn't have to do any of the work, right? So much richness behind the eyes of some of these guys that you knew were just awesome in what they could do and what they could share with you if they would. But there was a deadness there. There was 100% experience, but zero passion. Something had taken it away. And that's the condition of the Ephesian church they had all the experience, all the knowledge. And man, it looks to us like they were getting it just right, except their hearts were cold. They'd abandoned their first love. If, if you find yourself in this situation today, here are a few areas to evaluate. <clears throat> Number one, worship. Do you long for worship? Is there a hunger and a desire to worship God? Not only here, but in your personal life. Worship. Worship. Care for others? Do you care for other people? Is there a genuineness in you within the body of Christ that that really identifies with the needs of others, that wants to help, that's a part of something bigger? Holiness, do you want to live for God? Do you want to please God? Is there a desire there? Your thought life, what fills your thoughts from day to day? After you leave this place, do you think about the Lord again until next week? Uh, What fills your thought life? What fills your time, your energy, your resources? What is it that takes up all of that? These are all signs of where you stand with regard to your love, your first love. You see, there's a real danger in becoming an old pro, an old veteran, if you will, like on my old job. There's a real danger in becoming an old pro in the Christian life. It's not that we don't want to grow in strength that we don't want to be experienced, that we don't want to know God more in our knowledge, but we must use care that time does not take from us the love we remember having when God first called us to himself, when he first opened the door of salvation to us, when he first re- revealed the nail-scarred hands of his son, We are to remember our first love, the blessing and then the warning, lastly the healing. We see the healing here. Bible says in verse 5, gives us a three-part plan for restoring what the Ephesians had lost. A three-part plan for restoring what they had lost. And the first step is this, remember. Remember, look back to what you've lost. Bible says this, therefore remember from where you have fallen. I like to look back at old photo albums, um, see the kids when they were young, see what we looked like and what our house looked like back then, just, just to remember a little bit. There can be a sadness in looking at it, there's a joy in it, but there can be a sadness too. You see all that you've lost since that time. You say, hey, you know... We've lost uh, this, this time with our kids being young. You know We've lost the, the, the moments in that old house. I just thank God I haven't lost my looks, for one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, and thank you for that. But um, there is a sense of loss, and maybe I'm just a downer, but I look at old pictures, and I think, man, if I could hold that baby girl one more time. I mean, now she's like this, y'all, right? If I could hold her one more time, I look at little pictures of Jackson and think, oh, man, those little wooden toy trains. I didn't fully appreciate those minutes with him back when it was happening. I've lost that now. It's never coming back. I look at little Reese and, you know, I, I think of the, the, the days we had our, our last baby, holding the last baby. And I think, well, that's never coming. I, I, there is a sense of loss there. I look at that old house and I think oh those were sweet sweet times in that first house. The first house that we had before life got so complicated, before there was so much um, responsibility, before the stakes grew to what they are now, uh, just the peaceful moments laying on the floor with the kids on the carpet, a big old boxy tv right in that first house. We lose, right? When we remember, we remember what we've lost and the Bible says here remember, look back from where, to, to know from where you have fallen, look back to see what you have lost. What did the re- Ephesians have to remember? A few things. They, had an e- they once had an eagerness to worship, they once had an eagerness to worship, they once had the power of gratitude and of disbelief. They could not believe that God had saved them, and they lived out of that. I mean, they literally could not rationalize that God had seen them, that Jesus had come for them, and that he loved them to save them. It seemed impossible, and they lived out of an astonishment for what God had done for them. They thirsted for more and more of God. You can look in the book of Acts and see about this church and you can read the book of Ephesians. There was a thirst for more of God, a desperateness to bring others in, a longing for one another to be together for each other's well-being, a passion to walk in God's ways, and a willingness to go wherever God said to go. That's the works they had at first. That's what they had to remember. The second stage is this. Repent. Acknowledge your sin turn from your sin and turn to God remember what you've lost remember from where you've fallen acknowledge it oh God I, I, did, I didn't realize this turn back to him and put your sin behind you repent and lastly redo redo the things that came from love remember those times and redo the things that came from love. When I first met Erica, I loved her so much. I remember a few things, I wrote them down here. I used to start at the top of her street when I'd drive past her house, which was a lot. I was not a stalker, it just happened to be a lot. Uh, But I would, um, at the top of her hill, I would start honking my horn, lay on that horn all the way down past her house and her mom would tell her that boy likes you and I did. I remember when we were dating writing her notes, I mean I just notes all the time, thinking about her all the time in class and at work and just notes, notes, notes to Erica. No cell phones then, just notes. I would write her notes all the time, I would call her on my break at work take, get the phone, if I could find the phone in the, in the break room I would be on it with Erica. We had a little thing late at night if we wanted to talk I would call there no cell phones house phones only they rang loud and I'd call and let it ring one time and because uh, her parents would not want me to call that late and I would let it ring once and she would a few minutes later call me back um and I remember one night her mom Kathy got on the phone and figured out our secret plan and uh <laughs> her, she picked up the other line in the room and said Erica Pauline Herman you know and uh I thought see ya, you know I'm out, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Um, I worked at Walgreens. I couldn't leave, I couldn't work a shift at Walgreens without buying some, something or more than one thing for Erica. I'd leave every shift with a, a bag of stuff that I just put it on the shelves and my mind was on Erica all the time. Erica would like this, Erica would like that, you know. I'd go, it, it just came natural to me. The other day, I found myself putting our anniversary on the calendar and setting two reminders so I don't forget. (laughs) Things change, don't they? Right? Your first love, your love at first, is different than what comes later. We fall. We lose. We look at those photo albums and those memories, and we think, oh, man, Uh, things have gotten a little older the the, the the fire that I had at that moment it, it really has softened the brightness of my relationship with Christ you know it's still there and I still remember it but life has just made it dim that's what's happened in this Ephesian church that's what's happened with some of us when I first met the Lord, when I first knew him, he saved me. I read my Bible. I couldn't, I couldn't read enough of my. I loved to be in God's Word. I didn't even understand a lot of it. I was a 15-year-old boy, but I was reading it. The heart of God was there, and I wanted that. I listened to praise music all the time. I longed to be with God's people at my church, at my friend's church, at my great-aunt Shirley's church. If any church I knew of was doing something, I wanted to go that thing not for the pizza but to be close to the people of God I longed to be with God's people I prayed in my car driving down the road brushing my teeth I was praying mowing yards I was crying out to God in my devotion time I was praying I would sing songs to God by myself in my yard pray songs that I knew I would just by myself sing to God there was a fire there when God took hold of my life. Like the Ephesians, I could not believe that he would regard someone like me. That that didn't make sense, I was surprised by the mercy and the grace of God and the depth of it sprung me out of my sin and into new life and it showed everywhere, my friends. The things grow cold, don't they? And so how do we do the first works We're to remember, we're to repent, and we're to redo. How do we redo? How do we go back to those works that came out of love? Here are just a few practical thoughts from my knowledge of the Ephesians, my knowledge of us. Number one, gather with God's people. Be here and be sincere. I mean, be here as often as you can. If you're able to come early, come early. Some of you are not, you got kids, I get it. If you're able to come early, come early. Set up a tent, tear down chairs, take up communion cups, join a life group, find a place to serve, find a place to do something more, be a part of our men's ministry, find a ministry that you can hang your hat on and make a difference and grow even closer to the people of God. Be here and be sincere, develop a hunger for worship. Get your heart ready Saturday night. Want to come in here Sunday morning. On Saturday night, repent of your sins for that week. You tell God, hey, let there be no barriers between me and you tomorrow. God, I confess this. Forgive me. Make me ready. Come in here and have a hunger for worship. Give your money and be a grown-up about it. Sacrifice for the Lord. Participate with the people of God. Care about one another. Look around and see who has a need that day and care about them. Find someone who's expecting a baby or who has a baby. You know, if you remember what life is like with a baby, go to that person, lay your hand on their shoulder, and say, You're a great mom. I know it's hard right now. I remember these days, but I watch you. You're doing a wonderful job. I praise the Lord for you. Tell them you're praying for them. Care about other people, the love that you had. At first, do this thing, encourage someone. If you're like me you can look around and I do this every Sunday, I can see the people here who have a little bit of torment on their face. Somebody's wrestling with something, somebody's beaten down by life, somebody just can't get over their sin, they just can't get over what their past has held, that God may have forgiven them but they can't forgive themselves. You go to that person, you lay a hand on, it's okay to say listen I watch you in worship, And I want you to know you encourage me. I don't know if something's going on in your life right now, but I want you to know I see you and I'm praying for you. That is okay to do. Send somebody a note. Love on somebody in just that way. Do, Do those types of things. Bring somebody a meal. Pray for someone and mean it. Pay attention. Care for the body of believers. That's an action. That requires not just sitting, but doing Own your personal relationship with God. Praise God and connect with him, not only in this place. Own that. It belongs to you. Praise him during your week. If you want to listen to praise music, you do that. Fill yourself up with the Lord. Go to his word. Be be in his word. Men, ladies, be in the word of God. Do it. That's the heart of God there. Be a person of daily prayer. It does not have to be a magical mountaintop experience. When we pray, if you feel like a failure in prayer, if you feel defeated in prayer, because when you do it, you don't get any tingly feelings, that's okay. Commit to daily prayer and do it the best you can. It is okay. Make yourself connected with God. Own that personal relationship. Live in gratitude and awe for who God is and what he's done. Daily, remember that. Tell it back to God, God, I can't believe it. God, I'm living today, help me to live from the well of thankfulness for what you've done for me in Christ and live for God outside these walls. Just some practical things that you can do to return to the works you did at first. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent and return to those first works. Are you ready to be serious about this today Are you ready to live again in the freshness of loving God anew and in the first works of a life that is captured by his love for you? You will not regret doing that. It may be painful to remember, oh God, I I see that. Oh Lord, what I've lost. Oh Lord, how far I've fallen. It may be painful to do, but you bring that to God in repentance and you return to those works. He's going to honor that heart and He's going to bless you. The letter to Ephesus is a loving warning. It's a loving warning to a people who started out strong. They started out strong. They really didn't have much of a reason to believe anything was wrong. Now they look around and check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. Everything looked right, but they had left their first love. The Bible wants them to finish well. They started strong, then finish well. Are you finishing well today? A couple of questions to, to, to end with Do you have a first love with Jesus? If you've never had that experience of salvation, then you don't have a first love to go back to. The Lord welcomes and invites you today to come to the cross, to to be covered in salvation, to know him fully, to be heaven bound forever. No matter what your sins are, come to the cross today. Jesus wants to accept you, to forgive you, to love you as a son or a daughter today. If you do have a first love, are you finishing well? Having started strong, are you finishing well or has life left that distance between what once was and what should be between you and God? I want you to know today that the love of God is still ready for you. It's still ready for you and you can draw near to him again. Let's pray together.